Live from LA, it's the It's Always Something podcast, the podcast about everyday pedestrian peasant life. Life isn't perfect, it's always something. Produced by Hurley and Big Night Media, broadcasting live from Dash Studios here in Hollywood. Would appreciate it if you subscribe, rate, comment, like, share the podcast with a friend who, you know, last apologized to you after a drunken night of hood ratness. Go ahead and just talk to those people right now and then let them know there's a fresh-ass new episode of the It's Always Something podcast. On the show today, I'm stoked to catch up with one of my pals, a for real blast from the past, (laughs) considering where both of us uh, have started from in the industry. And what I love about, you know, people getting better at their craft is is a couple things, their patience, their persistence, and their, you know, drive to achieve this goal. And, you know, I've seen this dude grow over the years and those things are in motion for him in my mind, unless you're just fake, you know, faking and fucking lying to us on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, half and half, half and half. Uh, he hails from Phoenix AZ, but his dreams have him here in LA. He guest starred in a ton of different stuff. You've seen him in Grey's Anatomy, NCIS, Hawaii Five O, Narcos, most recently Hulu's miniseries, Pam and Tommy. Look at this intro. I'm on fire. Welcome to the pod, Johnny Ray Diaz. Hey. Thank you for having me, bro. Uh, it is just, we, we got a chance to chop it up off air before. I mean, I don't even know how long it's been since I've seen Johnny. So just to give people kind of a heads up of of our past, we linked up at uh, Power 98.3 in Phoenix. It, it has been so long. I even forgot what what you did. Were you, did you intern or did you, did you actually get hired? I got hired. Okay. But I, I did get hired. I'm glad you sort of remember that. Not really, but no, man, in, I interned there back in, oh my God, man. It had to have been like, I graduated in 2011 from ASU. So it had to be like 2008, eight? 2009, yeah. somewhere in that, in that pocket. Yeah. Interned and then eventually got hired. But I remember you as Bruce Trillis. Damn right. Still That's my how, email. Hey man. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you uh, the 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 PD when I moved from Power, and a lot of people don't know this story. When I moved from Power to 101.5 in Phoenix, he was like, "We have to change this fucking name." I think I remember you talking about something yeah. about that. Yeah, like we have to change it. Like because Bruce Trillis was so dope. Though. I know that and was it, such a dope name. And in radio ways, if you don't know it. In radio, in the radio world, it's a tribal thing. Once you're given your radio name, that's it. That's it forever. You're locked and, in. Yeah, and you're, you know, you feel the sense of pride of like, okay, I'm worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my PD was like, he was like, Bruce Trillis can't do a club and a breast cancer walk. Can't do both. JD can. And I told him, I was like, man, fuck off, dude. Like, I was given this name. This is this is everything to me. And he was like, no, I need you to take Bruce Trillis out to the desert and bury him. He's dead. I want you to give burn him, him just, alive. burn him alive. Yeah. Give him just enough room to get out, yeah. like have his hands above the hole, but he just can't pull himself up. That's how dead I want Bruce Trillis dude, that's to vicious, be. That's vicious, man. That's a, that's a vicious description right there. But you know what, Johnny? He was so right. But I'm so, I'm knee deep in contacts. I'm Bruce Trillis has to stay how so yeah i mean we we worked in arizona and you were and you were doing also club promoting right i mean that's so yeah so at the time growing up in in arizona i was i was going to school at asu interning at power Mm -hmm. and then i had a a business uh with one of my my uh my best friends setting up events at nightclubs. So we set up events at like downtown Phoenix, Sky Lounge, like all, I think it's all still those, around. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I think they closed down, but like Bar Smith, like all those places downtown, Scottsdale, whatever you can set up. And then, you know, obviously we'd hire DJs and set up events and that kind of, that kind of whole thing. And like power almost kind of fit like that demographic, right? Of like we're promoting events and we're having DJs come out and trying to get people to come to the events. And it was kind of a good mix. But at the same time, I think for myself I was also trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I was going to school for journalism and I wasn't even really, I wouldn't really say that that was like my thing. I just liked writing, you know? And I, I the reason I did that was because when I got into power, cause I knew Dario, if you remember Dario, of course I remember Dario. We shout were, out to Dario. Yeah. Shout out to Dario. We were really good friends. <clears> and I remember he was interning or he was working at power and he's the one that told me about the internship. And then I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. That's all I thought. I was like, ah, oh, it sounds like fun. So that's why I, he, I got into it. But a lot of interns at Power were studying at Walter Cronkite. 
And I'm like, what is a journalism degree? I don't even really know what that is. You know what I mean? Um, and I was like, well, I like writing a lot. I always kind of grew up writing a lot. So I was like, oh, let me get into that. So I changed my degree from business to journalism. And then I went to Cronkite. And then I was like, I was about to finish school. I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do this. You know, I was like, I got like a year left. I'm in the news program already. I'm already like there. You know what I mean? It's like, I already changed my degree multiple times. Let me just finish it off. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just it was one of those things where you just kind of just did it because I don't know. I, honestly, I don't really know. Um, but it was also good because it taught me that that wasn't something I wanted to do. You know, who are you telling? I have my teaching degree. <laughs> didn't you get a degree in like math or something? No, fuck no. I got my teaching degree so I didn't have to do math. Okay, for some reason I, th- I remember you saying like my degree was I was studying math or something. I'm like, what do you do with that? No, 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 nothing. Like I wanted nothing to do with math. I am. <laughs> I am horrific at math. I talk about worst subject too, man. Yeah, and it's so funny because I got denied from Walter the Walter Cronkite. Really? Yeah, <sighs> I tried to get into the broadcasting school and I couldn't get and in. And here you are broadcasting. <laughs> My God, what did you? You guys messed up, man. The guy, this guy's broadcasting right now. You, the, the, I remember the counselor was like, "Yo, you don't got a high enough GPA." And I was like, "Why do I need a GPA for this shit for?" Like, because you know that's where they tell you you can't teach personality. Yeah. So like jokes on them, but yeah, I didn't. Have have a high enough GPA. It was just, I was not smart. Oh man. Like a lot of people, their freshman year of college. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a general background of where I met Johnny. And then how you've been in LA for, you said close to about 10 years, it's been, right? It's been almost, yeah. I mean, I, I, after, after, uh, graduating from, uh, Cronkite, I still worked at power for a little while, but I knew that like this, this wasn't, I eventually got hired on the street team, but I'm like, I don't know what's going to go from here. Right. So $3 an hour is only so much. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I was like, I, you know, I barely <laughs> fill up the, the tank for the car. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, what am I going to do? And at the time, my news director at ASU was like, Hey, there's a TV show that shoots on campus. That's hiring camera operators. And I was like, all right, there's an ABC TV show called right this minute. Shout out to right this minute. Who's, who's still on to this day. Um, they hired me and I was a camera operator. I had to quit power, um, started working there for like a year and a half. And I was like, you know, I kind of like, you know, working, you know, production, that kind of thing. Um, but same that, that job, I hit a ceiling, you know, it was just like, look, I've been doing this job for like a year and a half. There's not really a lot to like really move up. And I was like, I kind of just got to get out of Arizona. A lot of it too, was just me wanting to get out of that town. Because, a lot of people feel that way yeah. when they want to leave their hometown. It's, it's viewed upon, it's viewed as two things. It's either you stay and you're a loser or you leave. Like that was the accomplishment was to get out of town when really in hindsight, what a stupid way to think. I know it, it honestly, it's, it super is, but like it, at the same time, it's like you, I kind of needed to go to a place where I didn't know anybody because I also felt like I, I always had this feeling in my mind that I really want to do like great things. And I feel like I was always made for something else, but I didn't want to have any distractions. Mm. friends telling you like, Oh, let's go out here. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Like I can't get work done. You know, I can't focus on things I want to do with all these distractions. Right. So it's like, if I go somewhere else, that'll help remove the distractions. Plus what I want to do with my life. I don't know. I hadn't, I really didn't know. I had no idea. I'm a, I got a journalism degree. I don't really want to work in journalism. Like I like reporting, but I'm going to do sport reporting. I'm going to do sports. I don't like the news. I love to talk about basketball, football, things like that. But besides that, that stuff is hard to get into unless you know somebody or you want to grind it down to Montana for like five years, making like $20,000 a year. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I love movies. Let me go work in movies. So I moved out here kind of on a whim. Um, I couldn't get hired anywhere. I thought it was going to be easy to get a job as an assistant, but like nobody would hire me because in, in this town, they don't care about your ed- education. It's all about like, your experience, who do you know? That's all it is. Oh, have you done other assistant jobs and stuff like that? Um, and, uh, or do you know somebody? That's all they care about. They don't care if you went to college, none of that stuff matters. So I came out here, did an internship at Disney, um, doing film development. That was the best I could get, was an internship at Disney, which was dope because I was on the Disney lot. I remember actually sitting, like reading scripts, like looking for like the next movie they were gonna produce. like. Um, I mean, the production company I worked at was uh, had done Wedding Crashers. So Fire. They, they did a, I know, my God, I love that movie. They, they were looking for like the next comedy hit, basically. Um, 
But I was there and I remember like seeing like Tom Hanks like downstairs, like shooting, like saving Mr. Banks, Paul Giamatti. I'm like, oh my God. I'm here. I'm like, let's walk by Tom Hanks. Like, what? It's I've, surreal when you see someone that you only have seen on TV. It's such a weird feeling. Super weird, It's dude. all you know of them. And it's yeah, it's such a, it's a very rare feeling. Yeah, and I, and I was brand new to LA and I'm walking past these people and I'm like staring way too hard. And then I don't fault you. And then people like people that are used to it, like walk by like, that's eh, whatever. You know what I mean? And I'm just sitting there and they start looking at me and I'm like, oh shit, I better, <laughs> I better keep, I better keep <laughs> yeah, it moving. Yeah, yeah. Yo buddy, you're in the shot, man. Can you get out? <laughs> all right. All right. So, uh, that was kind of how it started, man. I didn't, I never thought about actually being an actor necessarily. I think maybe deep down there was an inclination, but I just thought like, I want to just work in movies. It wasn't like, mm. oh, I want to be an actor necessarily. I was like, I just love movies. I love telling stories. So how do I do that? Maybe I can become a producer. So my goal was to become an assistant for a producer, learn from them, and then eventually just see where it goes. But somehow through all that mess, I ended up like focusing on acting. And here I am now, you know? Did you meet anybody? I mean, you as you're doing that internship, who kind of took you under their wing? Because there's usually one person that can, or there's, there could be multiple people, but there's always at least one person that if they see the talent, they're like, okay, I can at least get you to maybe this next step, mm. you know, during an internship program, you know, it's because if you're shining, someone will try to at least give you, even if it's advice, maybe they don't put you in the next position. Yeah, well, there was one person that kind of helped me out um, because it definitely is about, I didn't know anybody in this town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I worked at the internship for like nine months for free. I lived in LA making no money. At the time I was living in a garage that was converted into a room. Love to see it. In this place called Cypress Park, uh, which is like, used to be like a not good area. Now it's like, all right. It's like near Eagle Rock. Um, that this, you know, old Mexican woman rented out. I was paying like 400 bucks a month. And it's just like a, basically a square. You know, no kitchen, no nothing. Um, I actually kind of dug that spot. But anyway. <laughs> uh, like, I would do anything I'd, for a $400, $400 a month. Now. Right I was now. like, Wi-Fi included? Okay, <laughs> yeah. sign me up, you know? For sure. Uh, but I was there for for a while, man. And I, my savings were just going, you know? And I I, I came up to the, you know, them at Disney. And I was like, guys, like, I need to get, I need to get a job here. Like, I need to get hired because I can't keep doing this for free. And they basically told me, like, you know, we can't do it. Um, it's not in the budget. And uh, the girl that was the only assistant there, they let her go. And I was doing her job for free. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta move on, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I told them I was like leaving. And then um, at the time, the only way I was kind of making money was like occasionally doing like small gigs here, like working background on set. Cause I only had like so many days off per week. Um, I was DJing at a bowling alley in Glendale. Fuck. And this is where it, this is where it happened. I was DJing at a bowling alley in Glendale. And a lot of it was honestly just on the mic, just like hyping people up. And I remember this girl would come over and request songs. And uh, I started kind of talking to her a little bit. And then she tells me she uh, works for like a production company making films. And I'm like, oh, dope, you know? And I literally told her like, hey, look, I'm not trying to hit on you at all. I just want to like work on set and do some stuff. Like I will literally just work for free. Like give me the job that nobody wants and I'll do it for free can I just get your contact information? I'll hit you up. And I think she was kind of like, mm, I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, but she gave it to me. I hit her up and uh, she had me work. I remember the first movie I worked on was with this uh, actor, Tobin Bell, the guy from Saw. He played Jigsaw. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It rings a bell. It, it, was a, it was a feature film that he was in and I worked as a PA for free. Um, I think like two days or something on it. <clears throat> and I just busted my ass, man. Like working for free. And then she was like, like, all right, like you got good work ethic, you know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll start bringing you in. And all of a sudden, like, because of her, I started peeing on movies and actually getting paid. And now, now all of a sudden, now I'm like on the key set PA. So I'm, I'm responsible for the other PAs. I'm sort of in charge. You know what I mean? Then they start, you know, giving me more, more responsibility, but I'm working long hours, man. It's like 15, 16 hour days. I'm not getting, making a lot of money, but at the same time, it kind of gave me like, a leg into like the industry and I started meeting people and that's kind of how it started basically. Yeah. And you don't know it at the time when you're putting in all those hours, you're looking at it from like in the past, 
Whereas that's all you knew you had to do. And when you're, that's a different mindset because, of, bro, I'm right there with you. There's a lot of people listening right now that have worked just shitty jobs, long hours. And it's just, it's just, I think for us, it's what you had to do. Right. There was no, like the blueprint for, for me to get to where I wanted to go. The blueprint was you bust your ass for free and you prove to those people higher up that you want it. Right. And that's just the way it was. There was, it was not the right business practices. I remember working a 21 hour day. Yeah. It's just what you had to do. Yeah. And so I think at the time you're, you're mentally. And especially cause I didn't know anybody. Right. I was just like, I don't got no in, I don't got like an uncle that works at so-and-so it's like, bro, I just got to get in there. You somehow. just have to dabble any way right. you can. So what was the singular moment? Do was there a singular moment? Uh, this could be considered technically jumping ahead, but was there a, a moment where you said, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life? Man, a singular moment. Well, did you meet? So was it that moment where you saw Tom Hanks? You're like, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. I, Cause if I get to run into Tom Hanks on an off day, that's tight. That's, I mean, for sure. That's a, that's a great question. I think, I think there has been like, there's been a lot of full circle moments in my life. And I think the one that comes in my mind specifically where I was like, okay, damn, like this is, mm, this is something for me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was, uh, I worked on this show called Scorpion on CBS and, um, I was guest starring on this episode and I worked with Robert Patrick who played T-1000 in Terminator 2. And Terminator 2 is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I, all my scenes were with him. And I remember like meeting him first thing, like in the, in the, uh, the makeup trailer. And like, he came over and he said, hello. And I, I said, hi. And I was a little like, kind of like, oh man, like it's T-1000, man. Like I grew up watching this guy and I'm like working with him. Like we're doing scenes together. We're having conversations. And he was like the nicest dude. And he was so funny. And like, we were rehearsing the scenes and like, we we're talking about just life and all these different things. And it kind of hit me like in that moment, I'm like, man, if I go back to the first time I saw that movie and then like, if somebody was like watching that TV and I said, and was like, you know, you're going to work with that guy one day. I would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? That doesn't, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, how am I going to work with that guy? That guy's like a, like a figment of my imagination. He's just some, some dude on a screen. I don't even know what that means. But like the fact that I'm actually like now sitting here working a scene with him, we're having a conversation with him. We're like, we're peers, you know? And that's kind of where I was like, all right, man, like, you know, like I'm in, I'm, I'm like, this is like that full circle moment. Like the stuff is coming back around and I'm like, okay, maybe everything in my life that I've, that's happened to me or that I've gone through is like led up to this point. Like maybe I'm on the right path, you mm. know? So that was definitely like a big moment for me right there. And how do you get over the nerves of recognizing that moment and realizing that you have to be professional? <sighs> I think the nerves are always there eventually they kind of start to go away a little bit, like after you've done it a couple of times, but you just tell yourself like, I belong here. Mm, mm. I, be I belong, you mm. know, like a lot of times you, you, more lately now than I feel a lot better is I come in with the attitude of like, I'm better than everybody, you know? Do you have to come in like that? You don't have to, but I think for me it works. Uh. You know, I think for me it's like coming in there like knowing like, uh, just wait till they see what I do. You know what I mean? Or like, wait till they see what I'm capable of because they might just think like, ah, oh, this is some actor just coming in for whatever. And it's like, no, like he's, he's actually super professional, really good at his job, uh, treats people with respect. And, uh, I want to work with that guy again. My goal when I come to set is to be professional, be great at what I do and leave with them thinking like, I want to work with this person again. That's why you're going to have work forever because if there's anything that someone can grab right now, is be a pleasure to work with. That is how I've been able to maneuver to spots where I've been able to go. And I think how a lot of people have been able to get to uh, their areas of their profession is because if you're a pleasure to work with, you get recommended. And when you get recommended, totally. you get to move around and you, and you know, you're, you're spoken about differently. And I've, I love that you said that because it just, I take so much pride. And when I walk into somewhere anywhere, cause a lot of the times especially for what you do, probably 90% of the time you're meeting these people for the first time. Well, I mean, I guess if you're working on for a sure. show, it's consistent, but I, I always, I always compare it to like being a new kid in school. 
Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Right. Because you, you're literally walking into a, a well-oiled machine. This show's been on for like how many seasons? It's the same people. They work with the same people over and over again. I'm, hey guys, I'm the new guy. You guys want to come play with me? That's exactly what it's like. So you have to find ways of sort of like being really good because the last thing you want to do is like be that new guy. And it's like, man, this dude's terrible. He's rude. Like he's being disrespectful. They're not going to want to bring you back. And those, yeah. those people, like the people that are around them, like what's crazy about this industry, and I've learned this very quickly, is the PA that's like bringing you coffee or something. One day that person's going to be running their own that show. That was you, man. Yeah, I know. And, like, and I know. And <laughs> that one was day, you. And one day that person's going to be have their own show. Yeah, facts. And they're going to be like, I remember that guy. Man, that dude was an asshole. I want to work with that guy again? Oh. No, I'm not going to hire that guy. Listen, man, I feel the same way about Soldier Boy. He was such an asshole to oh, was me. He? Oh, oh, dude, Soldier Boy, uh, Tyga a few times. Me and Tyga squashed our beef. But oh, yeah, good. I mean, I never forget those people. And you know, I'm not saying I'm on a Soldier Boy level. Hey, man. But I completely. But he's not going to be a guest on the pod. But you're so right. But correct. I would right. never let him on the pod. Exactly. Uh, but no, I, I completely agree with you because those people that are in the, that are doing the PA stuff or anything like that, they have a passion and their passion is most likely acting. They want to, you know, see yeah. if they want to be on the big screen. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, a lot of people um, that no matter like what job you do that they don't understand the big picture of like what you're trying to accomplish. You know, I had a hard time in, in the early stages of, of what I was doing, explaining to my parents the bigger picture. Mm. Did you ever, oh, yeah, sure. did you have to explain that to your parents or close friends, especially in those early days when you moved out here? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you, I don't know what your parents do for work or like what they. Mom's a court reporter. My dad's a consultant right now, but they don't understand the entertainment industry. Right. So, so this they have very like you know you know structured jobs. Yes, like nine to five type jobs. This is fi- this Absolutely. is an ima- this is imaginary to a lot of people. It is like acting, uh, hosting. Like this is they don't think it, because it's fun. They don't understand that there's a whole nother business side of it. So right. did you have to explain that to your parents of like, you need to trust me? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it, you know, even for me, it was like a fantasy because I, when I, I didn't, you know, my parents, my parents for one are immigrants. My mom came from Mexico, my dad's from Colombia and they came here, their values or what they saw life is like, you basically go to school, get a good job, work at that job for like 50 years, retire and have a family and kids and that's it. Mm. Like that's, that's the thing. It's like my mom worked as a school administrator for a long time and at a college, like at uh, South Mountain Community College. And then from then she was like working in like, um, like doing like uh, loan mortgages and stuff like that. And then she kind of retired. And my dad worked at a, an electronics company, like testing circuit boards, like for like 30 years and then got laid off and then like never went back to work, just retired basically. So, me telling them like, Hey, I got a college degree, but I'm going to move to LA and like, just like figure stuff out was like, what? Especially if they paid for it. Like my parents paid for myself. They didn't pay for it though. So it was like student loans and all that stuff. So it was kind of like, uh, yeah. What are you doing? You know, I don't understand. Like, is this a hobby? Is this something Mm -hmm. you're fun? So for sure it was a, it was a long process of like, now they get it and now they are definitely supportive of it. Um, but at the beginning, man, it was it was hard to kind of convince them, like, you know, I'm I'm kind of like, you know, taking a gamble on myself. I'm betting on myself. And I feel like I got my work ethic from my dad. My dad is one of the hardest workers I know. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to grind and I'm going to see where it takes me. And if it doesn't work out, then like Arizona's always there. It ain't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I can always mm-hmm. find a job doing something else. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of how it worked out. Yeah. Yeah, but you had the mindset of like, I don't want to, hopefully you did have the mindset of, I don't want to do anything else. I mean, when I got here, eventually, eventually when I knew like, like to this day, I've thought like, if I didn't work in film or movies or something like that, what would I do? Mm. I don't know, man. You don't know? I don't think I I don't think, I don't think I have an answer. I'm so fucking useless, dude. Like I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know the skills either at this point. Like I I had a hard time putting up the fucking ring light today. Like I'm I'm like, dude, if anyone asked me to do anything, I can help you with that. I can't change a spare tire. I can't like, I can't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be responsible. Yeah. (laughs) That's basically what I'm getting to, um, (laughs) to, you know, take me through because a lot of this conversation, I don't think anyone, including myself, knows 
a dick about acting, okay. right? Okay. Like, so as a stupid person like myself, <laughs> take me through the process of booking a role from the audition to the journey of when you walk in to walk, when you walk out. Well, COVID's changed everything. So uh, pre-COVID, what it was is you get an audition from your agent or your manager. Um, let's say it's a TV show, for example. What if you don't have either of those? If you don't have, it's hard, honestly. Okay. If, you, if you don't have either of those, it's not impossible, but there's a, a couple websites that a lot of uh, indie projects will cast on or something like that. They'll use something called LA Casting or Actors Access. Um, and there's a lot of projects on there. So I used those when I first started out and I still use those to this day. Um, there's a lot of projects on there you can self-submit to. So if you have a headshot on there, a resume, things like that, you're real, you directly submit to them like, hey, we're casting for this film. They have a breakdown of every character. Like this is like the mom and this is the age range. This is what she looks like, et cetera, et cetera. You submit to it. If they decide to bring you in, then you get a response for an audition. Pre-COVID, it was like, okay, this is the day you're coming in. Here's the location. Here's the time. You basically, they send you what we call sides, if you're familiar with that. Sides are essentially just like a small scene. So like not the full script, but like your character has like, let's say a, a scene at, at a dinner party or something like that. And this is like the scene you have to perform at an audition. So you prepare that. Usually you get about a day to do it, like to prepare, maybe like two days. Quick. It's quick. It's usually pretty fast. You, it's rare that you get like multiple <clears throat> days. Sometimes now, I think indie projects will give you a little bit longer, like, you know, four or five days sometimes. TV moves really fast, so it's fast. I would say on average you get two days at the most. You know, some days it's the same day. I got it this morning. It's due at like four o'clock this afternoon. So you have to be fast. But anyway, in person, pre-COVID, you go into the audition, put up the scene. They sometimes might give you feedback. Sometimes might tell you anything. All right, thank you for coming in. Like well, you're walk but take me through that process. You're walking in the room. Yeah, so so basically you, you show up. You're in a waiting room with other actors. Like a doctor's office. Yeah, you're in a, okay. like in a lobby basically. And like someone's like checking you in. Hey, Johnny, you're here for the thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Sign in. You're sitting there patiently waiting. There's probably like five other actors with your competitors, for you. right? Competitors, Awkward. all wearing the same. All clothes. wishing they fail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone's wearing the same thing. I'm like, oh, this dude kind of looks like me, but you know, I don't know. His shoes look kind of weird. Like you know, you're like kind of like eyeballing each other a little bit, and then at one at a time, each one goes in, called in. You do the audition. Depending on who's in the room, they might give you feedback like, "All right, that's good, but let's try it like this now." Or they give you like a redirect or something like that. Or, you know, on this part, try this. Um, or they might not say anything. It, everyone's different. And they might be like, all right, that was great. Thank you. So you literally have no idea how you did or nothing. And then you just leave. And then that's it. And then that's it. That's it. And the thing is you, <laughs> there's always this conception that like people, I've had people tell me like, hey, so like they call you to tell you you didn't get it. And I'm like, no, like they never call you unless you got it. So like you never hear, if you don't hear anything, you assume you just didn't get it. But if you hear something, you got it. So, cause imagine them trying to call everybody that didn't get it. It's I know, like we auditioned a hundred people, uh, but like none of you guys got it. Sorry. Yeah. You know I would prefer, I would prefer that way. Oh, for sure. Because for sure. I just, I, cause then I can just keep pushing. So it's just like another thing. I could just be like, all right, well, if they hit me, they hit me. Yeah. And then I don't have to, I don't have to hear no. Exactly. And the best, the best, that's the best mentality anyway, because you're, you're going in there and it's like, you're just moving on to the next one. Gotcha. It's like, you finished it, that's done. If they call me, cool. If they don't, I'm going to keep it moving, move on to the next audition. So that's kind of the process. Now, because of COVID, they got rid of the in-room stuff. Now it's just all a tape now. Weird. So now you got to shoot a tape at your house. Um, you're basically now, the actor has become the editor, the director, and everything else. And you know what I mean? So you're basically orchestrating the whole audition <clears throat> in your space. Now I have a studio at my place. So since I do photography, like I have like a killer backdrop and lights and all that kind of stuff. Because of COVID, you got all well, that. No, I had did it, you have that I had before? it before, yeah. Okay. Because I do a lot of photography work. I've always had like really good gear and stuff. So actors don't need to have that, but I have an expensive camera and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I make it look good, you know? Um, but with COVID, a lot of stuff is now you shoot a tape, edit it together, send it off, and then you just it goes into the abyss of auditions and you just either hear something or you don't. Into you know? the thoughts and prayers world. Literally, dude. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's just, it's kind of wild. And then luckily if you get a call, then you get something. And then from there it goes to the agent and manager and they negotiate the contract and then 
hopefully you're on set. In your personal opinion, what was your breakout gig? The uh, one that you just were like, wow, I booked that. Well, I'll be honest with you. Like the, the very, very first thing I did was the, um, was a moment for me that I'll always remember. It was Hawaii Five-0. It was a very small role, but <laughs> I remember it because I'd been here maybe, I moved here in like 2012. I booked that, I think in 2015. So it took me like three years. I remember when I went for the audition for that role in person, I thought I did really well, left, didn't hear anything for a while, thought I didn't get it. My manager called me and he's like, hey, it looks like you're the choice for this Hawaii Five-0. And I was like, oh shit, like, okay. Like this would be like my first like major TV role, right? Even though I don't have a lot of dialogue, I was like, this is huge. Yeah, they're going to fly you to Hawaii for two weeks. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Ended up getting it. Then I saw how much they're going to pay me. And I was like, they're, they're paying me this much money? I was like, really? Like, I, I don't even have that much dialogue. And they're like, no, nah, you're going out there for two, for two weeks. You only work in two days. <clears throat> and I was like, okay. Here's the thing about shows like that that people might not know. With a show like that, it's CBS. They got so much money. A ton. It's ridiculous. You know, you know this, dude. Even working in radio, it's like they, they have a lot of money. So it's like they fly you first class. They put you up at the best five-star hotel. And it was literally a paid vacation. I mean, I was there for two weeks. I only worked two days. And I remember walking through the hall back up to my room. And they have someone that drives you, picks you up from the airport. They give you like a per diem. You know what I mean? They show you like, hey, these are great places to visit in Hawaii while you're here, this and that. <clears throat> and it hit me one time when I was walking in the hallways and I was like, I had to join the union because of that too. Uh, I was like, man, I'm a professional actor. I was like, okay, like I'm a professional actor today. Like this is like a, th like a thing now, like this is who I am. And I remember getting on set too and my first scene was with uh, – Daniel Day Kim from Lost and uh, Grace Park. And I was like, all right, I've seen these people before. Like, they're well-known. And I was really nervous, really nervous, dude. And I remember, like, as soon as I, I came in, I had to be strapped to a chair. And they had, like, four cameras, like, right in front of me. And all these people were, like, right there. And all I kept telling myself was, like, Johnny, don't fuck this up, bro. Johnny, I always say that before a gig. Don't, don't fuck it up. I, in my head, I was like <laughs> yeah. literally thinking to myself, like, don't fuck this up, dude. And like, I did the scene. I didn't mess up. I didn't mess up. And I remember Grace Park, after we cut, she looked at me and she was like, hmm, that was a really interesting choice. I like what you're doing with that. I didn't expect as that. As far as the character? Yeah, exactly okay. what I was doing. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And uh, I was like, all right, bro. Like, I'm, I'm here. I'm in. You know, I'm in the club in a little bit, you know? I was like, okay, okay. And then, like, the next time I worked with Shy McBride from Gone from 60 Seconds. And uh, he gave me so much good advice. But that was another moment, too, where I was like, same show. I was like, yo, I'm out in Hawaii. Like, I'm a professional actor. Like, this is weird. I mean, I hadn't done anything. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, one role. And it's not defining. And it's not going to, like, take your career to another level necessarily. But... The first one I feel like is the hardest one to get. Mm. And then from there, it's like, all right, this guy's good enough to be on TV. So let's, maybe we'll give him a chance, you know? Sure. Did you utilize the robes in the hotels whenever I go to <laughs> That's how I judge my hotels is if they have robe, like a robe and slippers. You know what's weird is I never wear the robe, man. Oh, I, I never touch I'm, it. The moment I get in. <laughs> the moment I get in. Even if, even if I got to put it over my clothes, bruh. Like... The, I take advantage of those moments. I I, I don't. I, You're too Hollywood, bro. You got to put on the robe. You know why I don't? I feel like they're gonna charge me. I'm like, are ah, they gonna charge me extra? If you walk out with it, yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> it, well, isn't that part of it? You're supposed to walk out, run like run the town with it. No, I, I mean that's a new idea. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that idea. I'm down to bring it to one of my gigs, but I don't want people to know where I'm staying. Dude, it's like it's like lifting the liquor out of like the little weighted thing, and they're like, oh my god, I know, I'll put it back. You know, like I feel like with the robe, if I take it off the hanger, it's like, oh, they're charging me already. Nah, gee. It's, it's there. It's there because you deserve it. All right. All right. That's how I view the the robe. <laughs> bro, 
It's the greatest thing when you come in. You, bro, you I just got to I, I I do it next time then. Yeah, gotta, you gotta, don't be too Hollywood, man. Put on the robe. You deserve the robe. You don't wear a robe on I'm, set, I'm man. afraid to touch anything. I'm like, is this okay? I don't know, man. Oh, I know. I know. Listen, the the, the, um, the liquids in the foods, don't touch right. those. Don't but touch the, those. the robes is is, right. is fine. Uh, what is What do you feel like is the best way to sign up with an agency? Like how, how would someone get picked up is it is that a more of a who you know type thing or i mean that helps a lot are you just sending in demos you know like you know if you're trying to get on yeah. i'll just put it in terms that i understand like if i wanted to get on the air and i wanted to mix i would mm. just send the bosses a mix you know okay of like of work you've done i was like hey right? this is what i can do like intros and yeah stuff like give that. me a give me you know I, I love to mix on the weekends here's a mixtape of what i would do you know like how do you get do, picked up by an agency do they ever audition you for like something like that like hey hey come in let's have you do a couple like drops or something Usually your mixes are your, okay. you know, they'll be like, hey, give me a 15 minute live mix of what you would play on the air. Here's mm. our playlist. And then they oh, okay. see what you would do with it. Right. And then if they're like, oh, okay, they really, they just want to see, can you mix? And yeah, then, cause everything else can be kind of like conditioned and stuff. But yeah. I, the, the process from peasant to agency, I'm fascinated by because it's just like, how does that happen? Yeah. It's, it's, it can be challenging. I mean, there's not one way the, the, here's the thing about everything in this town. There's not one way to do something like, especially in film and TV industry. Like you now is it's extremely rare that someone just moves to this town and all of a sudden they're an overnight celebrity. That's super rare. Like people right. think like I'm going to get discovered in a coffee shop. That never happens, dude. Does it happen? Sure. Like, but the statistically it's like, like impossible. You know what I mean? So most people grind it out here for a long time. Now to get the agent and the manager, there's a lot of different routes for that too. One, you know somebody like I know so and so, and they refer you. Like, hey, my boys with this agency, they're looking for someone that looks like you. Like, actually, you fit their exact criteria. Hey, send in your materials. Materials include headshot, resume, reel if you have one. Like your footage, like actually acting. You know what I mean? Um, if you don't have the reel, then it's like usually a headshot and resume based on look. Then if it works, they set up a meeting. You have a meeting with the agent or manager. Talk about like it's kind of like dating. Honestly, you kind of trying to see if it like kind of works. Like, does mm. it, are we like a good fit? You know, because a lot of times you just aren't. And I've had, I, honestly, I remember I had one of the worst meetings ever with an agent out here. Um, and I got the meeting only because my buddy from college was her assistant. And, um, it was the worst meeting I ever had. And I literally was, I almost like, was like, should I just leave? Because <laughs> I, I don't even know why I'm that here. Bad. I was like, I'm just, I think I just want to go. Like I, I just wanted it to end. But anyway, that's one way to get it. The other one is to like cold email people, find their email address, hit them up and be like, Hey, I'm looking for representation. Here's my credentials. Here's what I've been in. Here's what I've done. And then hopefully you catch them on a good day. They might respond. Most of the time they don't. Um, the best way to get one usually is like a referral from somebody. You know, somebody that's with them already, they refer you or if you have a lot of credits, you've been on a lot of different things that they recognize, mm -hmm. then they're like, okay, this person's more established. They're not really green. Like we don't have to like coach them or like, you know, really work on them too much. They get the basics. Yeah. We can already sure. kind of throw them into the fire and they know what to do. Right. That's usually kind of the ways you, you kind of get an agent or manager. <clears throat> yeah. Um, diving into scripts because I, uh, I it, <laughs> it's always funny and I hear it obviously more with like uh, the Brad Pitts and the George Clooney's and Julia Roberts of the world. But when they say, you know, like I read the script, it spoke to me, <laughs> you know, or, you know, the, the script blew me away. You're like, yeah. what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is the key difference between a script sucking and a script being incredible? And how do you decipher? Oh, because you know, like I don't like reading. So like, how, yeah. like, is there, a, is there an actual science to, when you read a script saying, wow, that left an impact on me. I mean, there is, but there's also a personal taste, man. It's, it's, it's also a personal taste. What you're into, what you're into, somebody else might not be into, you know, just like movies. You like certain movies, some people like them and some people don't. When I was working at Disney, and this is, this is interesting actually, because I was working in the film development department. So basically my job was to read scripts that would come in daily. Literally there's a room. I remember this because my job was to sit in front of a laptop the whole day and just read <laughs> and, and literally just write and literally write. I know bro. It's, 
it's, and it, there was some days where I was just like, I don't want to read anything anymore. Dude, that's like the worst job ever. I know, but they were looking for the next thing, right? And so, and I had to write a book report on every single script I wrote. And here's the thing is that like they had a room in that production office with scripts just stacked to the ceiling, bro. Of From like, everyone? Is there everybody. someone that gets to jump the line, you know? They know somebody. Okay. They or they're a writer that's already established. Sure. Or they heard they you know worked on such movie or this and this and that. But like literally, there's all these scripts that people, that literary agents will send for their, from their clients to the studios to get read. You know what I mean? And like we could never even get through half of them. Like there, there's so many. It's just impossible. I mean, there's only so many interns. It's like we can't. It's just not feasible, right? I can only read so fast. Yeah, <laughs> I, just only, I, I can only, like, my eyes can only handle so many scripts per day. You know what I mean? And, I'd, and then I would have to write this a report. This is abuse, Johnny. <laughs> this is abuse, Why bro. do you think I left? Yeah. You know? And I'd have to write a report, and literally, it was up to me whether that script continued on or not. Wow. On an intern, man. I would literally have to write, there was a section where you have to write, pass, consider, or, like, yeah, yo, like, this is the one. I, they didn't believe a fucking thing and you guys were talking about. They were like, just tell them, tell them to let us know if it was a good script or not. Like that wasn't even a real life job. You were literally yeah. just, you were in a rat race by yourself, man. I skimmed through That's some of insane. those. That's insane. I skimmed through some so, of those but, eventually because some of them were bad, man. Some right. Not good. Well, I mean, then related to something that you're doing, like how do you know what a good script is? It's... I mean, it, there, there there is something about it when it speaks to you. I think a lot of it has to do with like just your own experience, your own life. If it, if it resonates with something personal to you, mm. then that's going to make it feel like it speaks to you, right? Or if it's a story that's like, I've never heard this before and this is, this is true or this is fascinating. It's like, I want to hear more. I remember, I'm not going to give out names, but I remember reading a script. Uh, this isn't something I was in. It was when I was interning. Huge A-list is attached to it. And, and I, before I even like, read it, I was like, oh man, like there's some major hitters attached to this project. Oh, this is going to be dope. And I remember reading it. And at the end of it, I was like, uh, are they actually going to make this? I was like, I, I could barely finish it. I was like, I hope to God this never gets made. They, I ne never got made by the way. Um, but even that it's like, you have huge well-known people attached to it. And this script is there it doesn't mean it's good. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's why you you see movies that like, yo, this person's in it, but that doesn't mean the movie's going to be good. I think, I think there's, there is a formula to writing, especially like American cinema. There's a very structured way of creating scripts that works for the American audience, especially having to do with like a hero. There's a hero's journey. Like just in script writing, there's like a hero's journey and they go through the journey, they hit rock bottom, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then that's, sort of like American cinema. That's what we find appealing. It doesn't work in necessarily other places, but like that's why um, other countries have other formulas. You know what I mean? But for American cinema, that's the typical storyline of like that we like that usually has success. Um, and that's why you see a lot of movies follow that exact formula. Like literally there's books on script writing where it's like literally broken down by formula of like this is an attention getter at the beginning of every movie then the next scene is we establish normal. Now we're establishing like where this person lives, present time, and now we're going with them to the story, introducing characters, and then from introduction of characters, they're kind of like heading towards like, you know, great success, boom, they come crashing down. Now they're at rock, rock bottom. Oh my God, it's never gonna get worse than this. But wait a second, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then they're gonna, are they gonna overcome? All right, they do, happy ending. That's like a typical like, breakdown of like an average American film of like how they follow, follow a formula. And usually, I mean, they've been doing it forever for, for the longest time. And that's usually what finds success. You know, I was just going to ask you, I mean, you answered the question for me as far as I'm, I'm always so, um, I think it is just incredible how people can put words to paper and have it be this amazing dialogue. And so you basically just kind of took us through that journey of like, you know, from that first scene to character introduction. I just think, I mean, that's obviously taught in schools, right? For sure, for sure. It's and I'm, how do you how do you actually Dude, have hard. that conversation 
as different characters in your head. It, that's why they get paid so much money, man. Sure. On, honestly, like I really admire like really good screenwriters because it's not easy, dude. Like the Quentin Tarantino's, like they, you know, they when they put out stuff out there where you're like, yo, this movie's so cool. Like that's hard, dude. Incredibly, is, it is hard to like write a fantastic movie. It really is, especially with so many characters and stuff. And that's why they get paid a shit ton of money because it it it's not easy. And especially to do it consistently, like again and again and again and again. I mean, I I, I I'm not I'm not on that level of writing by any means, and I don't even do that much writing anymore. Honestly, I mostly just focus on acting. But like, when you read a script like that, and like the dialogue is like man, this just sounds like people having a conversation. Mm. It's nothing is forced. It's just like, what bothers me sometimes in scripts is when you, you have two characters talking, whatever the situation is, and in the scene, every line is them calling them by their, by their, other, by their name. Because in real life, we don't do that. Like if I'm talking to you, I'm like, JD, so uh, what have you been up to today? JD, that's crazy, JD. I'm not gonna do that, JD. Like, JD, what are you talking about? And you see that in scripts all the time. It's like, why am I saying this person's name every time? We know line? your name. We, I'm, ah. not, we don't have to say it every time. Like, why is it in every single line? And that happens a lot. And I'll, I'll purposely not even mention the name. I'll just say, like, I'll just say the line without the name. Because, like, we don't talk like that. I don't have to say your name 10 times in this scene. Why? People don't talk that way. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, make it conversational. And the scripts where you, like, you read it and you're like, this sounds like just people talking, just having, just living life. Like a, a, this is a slice of life. Like this scene right here's a slice of life. And even if nothing happens, it's like, yeah, but that's how some life is sometimes. Nothing really happens. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And because there are so many different avenues, there are TV shows, there are movies, there are independent films. I am also interested in knowing like the festival side because, you know, this movie won... XYZ at this festival, like I think I even wrote down some of the names for it, like there the the Sundance Film Festival hey. or the Rain Dance Film Festival, yeah. or the Canes Film <laughs> Festival. Like I don't explain like a festival to me. Like, are is it a like, specific? Is it like a movie screening? You know, like back in the day, you, you know, you never been any ever like not ne- not a one, not one. No, not like I don't see, I don't understand, uh, like why those movies. I, I guess is it is that like an audition process? Like they they well like so when you submit to it like let's say let's say you made a movie like we made let's say we made a movie about Jay. Oh, you're about to talk to me like a stupid person. Yeah. All right, I, I'm ready. All right, no, I had to like no, gather no, no. myself because like not, a light bulb went off in my brain. I'm no, like, no, no. all right, Johnny, I'm ready. No, bro, it's not it's not even <laughs> not even that. It's because you you just yeah you're not familiar with it, and that's totally fair. There's a lot of things I'm not familiar with in your world. Totally. Um, yeah. So like let's just say you made a movie, right? Like you directed and you created a movie, even a documentary or something like that. And now you have it, you're like, oh, what do I do with it? Well, a lot of times what people do is like, well, I'm gonna submit it to film festivals. I wanna just get it out there, like on, so people can see it, right? So there's certain websites that you go to where you can submit to like Sundance and like Toronto Film Festival and all these huge places and you submit to them, you pay money to submit to them. And if they feel like your film meets their criteria, their standards, there's somebody curating all the films, then you may luckily get in. Sundance is like probably the hardest film festival to get in, bar none. I think the percentage of like films that get in is like less than 1% that gets wow. submitted to it. I can't remember, the, it's like something ridiculous like that. I don't know what it is exactly, um, but it's ridiculously low. If you get a film into that film festival, it is major. Like it, it could be like possibly career changing type stuff. Like, especially if you directed the film and, you, and your film plays at one of these festivals, like, you know, CAA might come calling. Like, that's how... So, I mean, but it comes it in, and if it, basically, if it's going to be shown at these festivals, it doesn't suck according to someone. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously lower tier festivals, and I've been to many, many film festivals, and there are some amazing films you see in there, and then there's some, like, really dog shit ones, you know, where you're like, oh, my God, I'll claw my eyes out. Let me get out of this thing. I've seen all of them, you know, um, but that's a good way for filmmakers to get attention. Mm-hmm. So like actors, obviously you want to get in these things too. But if let's say you want to be a director or a writer, like you want to see your stuff in a movie theater, you want to invite your friends and family out. You want to meet other filmmakers that could potentially give you jobs in the future. Um, 
I've gone the festival route with things I've produced and directed, and I've met some amazing people. Um, I've had um, projects funded based on other work I've done through film festivals. So it's a great resource for like, obviously watching movies, but mostly people do it for like networking. Like you connect with other filmmakers, producers, directors, you get your project out there. It helps build uh, credibility towards you. Let's say, especially if we win awards and stuff like that, then it's like, all right, this person won awards. Let's say Sundance, for example, let's say you win like the audience choice award. Like, yeah, like, like the, the three minute standing ovation award. Yeah. I mean, yeah, dude. It, it do puts, normal it people puts go to level. those festivals though? Or oh, is it sure. actors? Okay. So yeah, like, but everybody. do you get just, they send out random invites and they're like, Hey, do you want to come? Or they're just like, um, I think you can just, actors buy, a friends I think you can just or, buy a ticket. Oh, you can for real buy tickets. See, now I feel stupid. If yeah, that's yeah, like a yeah, real yeah, life yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, I have, okay. I've actually never gone to Sundance. Um, I always tell myself I'm going to wait to go there when I actually have a film in that festival. Fire. I so love that. I'm, I'm waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> Still hasn't happened yet. But um, most festivals, you can just buy a ticket and go as an audience member. There are people that go just because they're just, they just love movies and they yeah. just want to see movies. And they want to see, there's a huge, uh, you know, population of people that love indie cinema. And that's what they go to see, like stuff that you're not going to watch anywhere else, you know? Um, but mostly it's like filmmakers to network with other people. Got you. You know, got you. Um, and I feel like sometimes, you know, uh, actors can sometimes get stuck in boxes, right? Like for a hard time, for a long time, I didn't think Will Ferrell could do like a serious role, mm -hmm. you know, like, or, you know, I was just having this conversation the other day, legit, because they had something at like Comic-Con where they had a bunch of the people from like Boy Meets World or uh, Full House yeah. or Family Matters. <laughs> Like for you, my, I because we ha legit me and my my best friend were having this conversation in the car. We're like, would you rather have that dream role of like Urkel, or you know, is that, the, I, is that the dream role? I guess <laughs> you know, but he, this is this is where I'll expand on it. Or like Carlton, or this specific right. role, you know, that's iconic and forever and is life changing. Would you rather have the role that you're basically known for the moment you wake up and mm. go outside? Mm. Or would you like to be a solid C D F, you know, like, would you rather be the drummer of Maroon Five or would you rather uh, be Adam Levine? Because it's like Well, the drummer of Maroon Five is still doing, doing pretty well, probably. Exactly. <laughs> like getting his cake, being able to go out to Starbucks. It, it, you know, I feel like it's such a, a huge question to ask yourself because, you know, when you get this ginormous role yeah. in anything, a TV show or a movie, if or do you want to be known? Is it like it's that great would you rather because if you wake up every day knowing like Jaleel White can't fucking not be Urkel. He can mm. never be viewed as a normal right. person. Right. It's funny. My friend is actually actually knows him too. Jaleel White? Yeah. But uh, it, and it's to no fault yeah, but yeah, yeah. us as the audience. Sure. You know, because we can't separate. You can't, you can't unsee it. Right. It, this is, is what it is. So yeah. what, do you feel like you would want one of those <sighs> prestigious roles or would you want to just be a solid actor that's, that's like a, no that's a, tough, that's a tough question it, it really is um if i really think about it though i think i would rather just be the solid actor same be, I, I say that because one it's like i'm not a fame chaser man i'm not trying to be famous like i know that becomes a product of like what happens if you climb the level like the ladder and stuff like that but like man i love my privacy i love like being able to go somewhere and just do my own thing like the last thing I want to do is go somewhere and like have people like, Hey, can I do this? Like, Hey, what, what's up, man? Like, uh, you know, it's like, it's okay. But like, I can't imagine like Brad Pitt and like those people like wanting to live. Like if I, I can't go to like a Ralph's, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't <laughs> yeah. go there. It's like, a grocery like, store. I had right, to learn yeah, that the right, other day. Yeah, I didn't right. know what Ralph's was. <laughs> you get harassed, right? You people want to take a photo. It's like, you probably can't do anything normal. Right. That doesn't sound fun. Now, obviously it's a trade off of like where you're at in your life. Right. With the level of it all. But I think I would rather like, be consistently doing amazing work, working with great people, uh, playing different characters, doing different roles. Like, I mean, it's, I think it's great to be known for something iconic, but it's also hard to break off of that. You know, like, I mean, there is something that everyone kind of gets known for, but when it's something like that iconic, it is hard to get work after that as an actor because everyone sees you as this. Exactly. And it happens to a lot of people, like the cast from Seinfeld talk about that. 
Right. It's like Kramer's always Kramer. That's what I mean. Like Dwight is always Dwight from The Office. Exactly. I can never separate that. Right. Now, like he probably, Steve he probably made a shit ton out. of money. Yeah. yeah. Steve Carell did really well. He's doing all this other stuff, right? Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, even uh, John Krasinski did even well John, too. Yes. Even yeah. though he he's, he crushed it and I was able to separate I'm like, but you're Jim to me. You'll always be Jim. You'll always be Pam. You'll always be Kevin. You, that's such a great example of like, yeah. the people from The Office. There are people that do do it, but there are some people that really struggle with getting off of that. You know what I mean? It's like, the, ideally, if I had a choice, yeah, like a John Krasinski where he did that for like how many seasons, cool, but he's still doing like big movies now. Like that's the career you want. You know what I mean? But if I had to pick between that or like never working again, I mean, isn't it crazy? You're like in this profession that like you want these big roles, but you're kind of also praying it doesn't hit hit. In a weird way, in a weird way, you know. It's so ass backwards, Dude, bro. It's so weird, dude. I had this was such a weird thing to me. I was I went to go see Batman the other day, and I was at the uh, I was in Glendale, which is like you know not like a I wasn't in Hollywood, right? And I'm I'm waiting for my friend to get to the theater, and I'm standing there just kind of on my phone. And this girl comes up to me and she's just like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't mean to bother you. Um, were you on Grey's Anatomy? Mm. And I was like, uh, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, I thought I recognized you. She's like, I just, I'm a huge fan. She's like, I really love like what you're doing with the character, this and this and that. And like, can I just take a photo with you? And I was like, okay. Uh, and we took a picture and then she just left. And then I was like, what is she going to do with that photo? <laughs> and then I was also like, I kind of felt weird. You know, I, I, it felt like a weird thing. Like, because it's not like, I mean, there's a big fan base for that show, but like, I've, I'm not going to never mind. I'm not going to say this, but uh, there's a big fan base for that show. And it's not like I'm a main character. I was in like six episodes, but it was weird to me that like someone like recognized me off of that. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, I felt awkward. I kind of felt like do the dance monkey. I was just like, Oh, like, I can't imagine like what someone on another level is like, you know, some people love it probably, you know, they love the attention. I'm just not so much like that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, that kind of felt weird. Like it was cool, I guess. Like, all right, like, you know, but at the same time, like, I don't know what to say, you know? Mm. And then you're also not, we're not getting to know each other. Yeah. Plus you don't want to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to watch my movie, yeah, bro. Yeah, dude, I'm like, man, my my uh, my coffee's coming up. Like, I don't like. What do you want to talk about? Like, yeah. what could, what are I? I would think like, what do you want to accomplish here? Like, what do you? What is there to talk about? Yeah, I, I you know I don't know. It's like it's it's weird, man. But then I, I think of it too. Like when I you know I I work with I was at this uh, uh, after party for the Pam and Tommy thing, mm. and um, you know I worked on the show right, and I work with Seth Rogen. And awesome. Uh, oh my God. Amazing dude. Uh, and they invited me to like this special, uh, cast finale screening of the final episode, it's like a whole red carpet thing. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like a big deal. Right. At the after party, there's Seth Rogen and Sebastian Stan. And I'm just like, I kind of want to go talk to him, but then I still feel weird. Like I still kind of feel like now I'm on the other side. Right. You know, like I'm just bothering him. Like, what are we going to talk about? You know, like we had a couple scenes together, like it was cool. And I did talk to him, you know, here and there. But at some point it kind of felt like I should just move off. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know where else this is going. Like, it's not like we're going to become best friends or are we, are we, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Are, you know? Uh, but at the same time, I do feel weird too. And I, I think they get that feeling too. It's like, what else, what else, I don't know what else to talk about. And it's I, work. Right. Like, and it's just, you know, there's tons of people that I work with and then I just hope I never talk to them again. <laughs> Well, I do hope I talk to him again because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's a cool dude, but, but yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. Well, I mean, is he in your top five before we get you out of here? Like, who are the top five people you're going to work with? Because I'm a manifest this shit. Oh, man. Well, I definitely want to work with uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, that dude's killer. I mean, there's a lot of, man, so many. Uh, Christian Bale. Um, those two dudes are, like, monsters. Um I really like Charlize Theron. Um, I think she's really good. Um, who else? God, there's so many people, man. It doesn't even, even have know. to be an A-lister like that. It could just be. There's on, honestly, more than even actors, there's certain directors I want to work with. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I, take I, it that I, direction. I say, Give me a couple of those. I would say, so Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favorite directors. I love him. Like, I love all his movies. Like, if I could be in a movie with that dude, like, 
yo, I'm done. Just shoot me. You know what I mean? Like, seriously. I was going to ask you that. So, like, what is the one role where you'd be like, peace out. That's it for me. Like, that's uh, great. Like like a character or what? It, no, like, just specifically like a, like a director or uh, a person that when you leave the set, you're like, all right, I'm good. Like, oh, man. I'll keep doing it. I keep but, doing it, but oh man, that's a, that's a that's a hard one. There's so many good ones. It would have to it would have to be a director. I would say it'd probably be one of two because these guys are getting older, and I know they're not going to be around forever. But like, it'd probably be like either Scorsese or Spielberg, one of those two. Because I grew up watching all their movies, and I'm a huge fan of all. You and me both. Everything, everything they, yeah, they, yeah. They made everything from like forever. Jurassic Park. That's yeah, I mean, three, we can go four and, decades. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like insane. So if I ever worked on a movie, one of those guys would be like. I mean, that's it, man. It'd be a walk-off. That would be, be like, a... I'm out. Yeah. Hey, you know we got like five more scenes. Now I'm done, bro. Yeah, no, good talk. I'm done. Good I'm talk. Done. Good talk. You know? Good talk. Um, well, listen, Johnny, I appreciate you coming through, dog. Like, I I told you before, I got a lot of faith in you because I, I just can see, I just, I see when people start doing what they're doing and then the progress they make towards it. Like it doesn't have to be this glaring success for me because it doesn't even have to be an entertainment. I like this could be for any of my friends that are doing just work in their jobs, whether they're accounting, whether they're in construction, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like if you're progressing, I'm always so like that gives me life. So the fact that you've been able to really elevate yourself and, and continue to get better, bro, that's that's pretty fucking tight. And so I, and you don't get told that a lot, I think from, you know, people around you because you're just so used to being in your own bubble in your own space that no one ever tells you, Hey man, like the fact that you went to the, that audition and you know, you didn't get it, but you still had to go to it. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, people that go up to the plate inspire me. Yeah. Like if you're walking up there looking to swing, I'm all about that life because there will be a time where it hits yeah. like, and it doesn't matter when it is. And it, and it doesn't have to be this, this big thing, but it will, it will make sense to you. So I just think that that's yeah. dope when you're in that, that world and you don't get told that sometimes, bro. Like sometimes you, you you're just, it, you don't, yeah. and, and especially yeah. with what you do, it's just like, you don't get those words of encouragement of like, Hey bro, people see what you're doing. They might not right. tell you continue doing it as long as you're enjoying it, as long as you still have the passion for it. Uh, it'll never fail. Like yeah. it'll just, even if, cause it's usually with finances where like <laughs> people feel like they're failing. I'm like, nah, yeah. bro. Like yeah. that's, you don't get it then because right. if you don't understand the big picture, you're, if you're looking at it from a financial aspect, that's an L. That's, yeah, exactly. Like it's, exactly. it's such a huge L you're because doing it for, you're doing it for the wrong reason. <laughs> I'm just yeah. broke for so, so, so long. Right. Like, it's just, and you, that's where you learn a lot of the biggest lessons where you're able to be like, I'm, I'll never go back to that again. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely, like, dude. Absolutely. I'll never, I will work as hard as I possibly can so I don't have to read scripts all fucking day <laughs> when they're like, hey, I'm just, still, I am still reading scripts and this still ain't like that good. Him, just, just tell him to read the script and tell us if he liked it or not and we'll put it in a special little pile. <laughs> the good pile or the bad pile? Next to my coffee order and your coffee order. You got duped, my G. You got duped. Uh, hey, let people... I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, hey, I appreciate you too, man. Yeah. And I just want to say, dude, uh, congratulations to you, man, on all your success. Bro. Thanks, We man. were kind of chopping it up earlier before we, dropped, we jumped in, but... uh yeah, man, dude, I'm so happy for you, dude. Like, I see you, like, traveling the world, dude, like, just constantly grinding, dude. And, like, I've always admired and respected you ever since power. And I was like, this dude's got the personality. He's got the hunger. Like, this dude is going to keep going places, you know what I'm saying? And, like, it's it's a testament to you, man. Even, like, this podcast, dude, like, you're doing, like, just cool things all the time. And, you know, following your heart, bro. And that's that's really cool to see. And I really respect that. And I admire that. I just wanted to tell you that, dude. So I'm grateful to come on here, um, you know, chop it up with you for a little bit. Like, it's, it's fun, man. It's great. Thanks for the time. I mean, listen, I've been eating shit for a long time. So Still eating I. shit. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's just that you you have to recognize where you're at. And, and even if you don't have a goal, like, you're I'm just working, man. Yeah, like, absolutely. You're just like that. It, that's, I don't know where, life, especially in COVID places, dude. Listen, no. we're all just trying to work and get by and, and wherever that I always am such a huge, and this is kind of where we'll end it here. I'm such a huge advocate of your hard work will take you to wherever you need to go. And that it doesn't necessarily have to be in your field. If you bust your ass, 
you're going to be solid forever. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what, because someone will hire you for, if you told me two years ago, I'd be traveling the world playing the music specifically that I'm playing. Yeah. I'd be like, you are <laughs> not in touch because <laughs> that is not my jam. And it's just, that's not how life works. I surrendered myself when I moved to Boston. I was like, yeah. I never thought I would live on the East coast. Yeah. I am surrendering myself to life. Amen. I'm just like, yeah. we're all just trying to work. Sure. That's all, we're trying, That's to all we're trying to do. And we're trying to get better at whatever it is. Trying to figure it out. Just trying to figure it out. Yeah. So shout out to everyone just figuring it out. Um, go ahead and give all the uh, the information where people can kind of find you. and um, uh, Yeah, all the social media handles is just Johnny Ray Diaz. That's pretty much it. You don't spell Johnny right, though. You know, I mean, it's J-O-H-N-N-Y. Well... Don't do this rabbit hole thing. Just tell no, me. No, there's no rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I, okay, this is the reason why I spell it that way. My real name is Jonathan, but I spelled it Johnny because in like fourth grade, I spelled it J-O-N-N-Y, and the teacher was like, no, that's not how you spell Johnny. It's J-O-H-N-N-Y. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And from then on forward, that's how I spelled it, dude. Wait, a teacher, a teacher told you that it in wasn't? like fourth grade or something. And I was like, oh, okay, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Did you tell your parents? I, they were just How like, the fuck does that not come up? Man? I don't know, man. So now I'm, I'm, I'm locked in, man. It's not going to change. And just like you see, you're locked into JD. I'm locked in, bro. <laughs> no, I can't change yeah, my but name no more. That was given to me at birth. I didn't need some, <laughs> some teacher to tell me, like, grammatically that it was incorrect. Well, don't hey. ever shout that teacher out because then they're going to feel like they need 10% well, off your name, well, my G. I'm sorry. Just, oh my gosh. That's that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. All right, hey. Johnny Ray Diaz. Uh, listen, the catalog is there. Uh, go ahead and check him out. Uh, he's going to be on a local tube near <laughs> you. Uh, like, rate, subscribe to the podcast. It's the It's Always Something podcast live from LA in Hollywood. <laughs>